Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. We're going to do guide talk in the first hour and the beautiful and amazing Queens of the Roundtable in hour two. I love Thursdays. It's always good to get together with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and just have discussions and conversations about issues and life and scripture and whatever it is you'd like us to talk about. Let us know what it is. Send us a text at 877-933-2484. I got the power panel in studio. Dr. Peter Kapsner is here. Uh, Brad Johnson is here. Pastor Tom Brock is here. And a newcomer, Justin Jepson, is here in studio. That is the power panel today. We're going to have a great time. We'll take 60 seconds and get things started. I'm Neil Stave, a manager of Faith Radio. This month, the focus is on Thanksgiving. And we're reminded to take a day to pause and give thanks for all the blessings God pours out on us. But I'm thinking of a growing group of people who deserve our gratitude every day because these Friends of Faith Radio support us as ongoing monthly givers. This steady giving allows this ministry to have a firm financial foundation month after month. So to all of you who make up our ongoing monthly giving family, thanks. We appreciate you and bless you for the encouragement you bring to us and to thousands of listeners who, as a result of your gifts, are able to hear the hope of the gospel presented daily here on Faith Radio. Every day is Thanksgiving Day because of your partnership. Now, if you've given to Faith Radio in the past but want to be more consistent in that support, consider becoming an ongoing monthly giver. You can sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com or by calling 877-933-2484 and press 2 to make a gift. show. Glad to have Power Panel of Peter Kapsner, Brad Johnson, Tom Brock, and Justin Jepson in studio. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Bill. Yeah. Great to be here. Yeah, Justin, a special welcome to you. You're a newcomer, so nice to have you in studio. Thank you. Peter dragged me in here last minute, so it's fun to be Who is this young man? <laughs> a fly on the wall, sitting in the mm. corner of the room, actually. Please don't that's... use that as an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How good are you at recognizing your own incompetence? Wow. There's a softball mm. question. Wow. For me, it's pretty easy. It's like if I start a home project, I go, uh-uh, I'm not doing no. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am mm. done. I what, am not attempting what this. What would Clint Eastwood say to that question? <laughs> I don't know. What would he say? Man's got a nose limitation. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. Dirty well, man. I mean, I think in fairness, I've always known my various incompetencies. I think it's a question of whether you're willing to acknowledge them or not, right? Or if right. you kind of play the game of pretend. I, I, I guess I hope I'm better at just saying, yeah, I have no idea what's happening here. But certainly in my 20s any like sense at all that I would be revealed as being a sham in any way, shape or form. You do, do whatever you can to hide at that point. For mm-hmm. sure. There are very few things I throw money at, but anything having to do with building something mm-hmm. or fixing something, home repair. I, yeah. Anything like that I have to throw money at mm-hmm. and happily do. Cause I, it, I try that stuff and I have such a 
migraine by the hour is over and takes somebody else five minutes to do it. So. It does drive me nuts because my snowblower, I tried to fire it up today and my, my hands still stink of gasoline in this moment right now. I, I think I finally located the carburetor. At least I think that's what it is. And now I'm going to try to clean what might be the carburetor out and then try to put it back together and yeah, we'll see. I, no idea. I call a phone number. Yeah, I, I that's, that's a real close enough point. That is for sure. Well, there is a, a couple of psychologists called Dunning and Kruger. They put together something called the Dunning-Kruger effect, as you would guess, and it really talks about that. It talks about um, people that lack the ability to recognize their own incompetence. So they think they're they're pretty good. They think they're awesome. <laughs> and um, everyone's kind of like rolling their eyes going, oh, you're terrible at this. <laughs> and they think they're just great. Oh, my. We all probably know people like that. Yeah, don't we? I, mean, oh, sure. Justin, you're I know people dad. in this room. I mean, right? <laughs> Justin, you're a pretty new dad. I mean, there's nothing like being a new dad to sort of reveal the incompetence, right? Well, I think recognizing your incompetencies is directly correlated to humility. And I like to say that um, I thought I was a fairly humble person until I got married. Um, and then I thought I was growing in humility again, and then I, we had a kid, and then I thought I was growing again, and then we had a second kid. So I think uh, that closest of relationship and community is is definitely, um, I don't get away with too much between my wife and the Holy Spirit. So um, <laughs> so it's a matter of recognizing it as step one, but being able to actually receive it and grow from it is another thing mm-hmm. too. So. All right, let's look at uh, the rich man and Lazarus. That's out of Luke 16. Um story is a just you know a description uh by christ by jesus about you know what's going on in in that world so lazarus and the rich man have both died right Mm -hmm. so they've left their bodies behind right Mm -hmm. the bodies they had on earth they were left on earth so now they're in this place right and Mm -hmm. lazarus um they can they can recognize each other the rich man recognizes lazarus which which he could not have done if lazarus had not a body. Mm-hmm. Well, that that yeah. know, I don't know if I'd say I that. I don't know if I'd say that. I'm not saying he's got a body, but he's got okay. a a soulish body okay. of some okay. kind, right? Sure. But but because we don't re- get our new resurrection, of course bodies we don't. Till the end of no, time. no, of course okay. we don't. But I'm just saying there is some <clears throat> form he has, mm-hmm. which is yeah. allowing him to be recognized, right? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and you know, some <laughs> people make a big deal that. When it says that Lazarus, the poor man, went to Abraham's bosom and in paradise, and they make a big deal that there's a difference between paradise and heaven, I don't, I don't get that. I think he's in heaven, is what I think, because there's two places you go when you die: heaven or hell. The rich man obviously is in hell. I think, I don't, I, you know, I just get nervous when people take scripture and make it. You know, when people talk, like recently, the question, uh, body, soul, and spirit. It, so there's there's a trinity. You've got to have a body, soul, and spirit to be a man because we're patterned after God. Well, where does the Bible say that? It doesn't. And is there a difference between spirit and soul? If there is, it's never spelled out in Scripture that I know. So I just think we need to be careful when we make dogmatic things about Scripture that, you know, sometimes we just got to leave it a little gray. Peter? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. well I, yeah, I was looking at Brad. Uh, I, this is, um, <laughs> yeah, this is such an interesting passage, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that um, some of the questions that come up from the passage is there appears to be the potential for communication between two different realms in the afterlife, and, and what would be the potential implications of that? Mm-hmm. And I know that some people and have suggested that C.S. Lewis in his book, The Great Divorce, would uh, say that there's the possibility of even movement between these two realms, 
uh, post this life, that you're not fixed mm-hmm. in one location forever and ever. I'm not. I'm just saying that that's out there as an idea. I'm not saying that that is actually the interpretation of the passage, but it brings up a host of questions along the lines of, wait a second, this world really isn't all there is. There, there certainly is another realm of to which we're headed, and to have that kind of perspective, however we understand those realms, the very fact that they exist, I think, should be a, a bit sobering for us in this life and not just anchor our entire selves in this life and, and try to just sort of squeeze it all out of this place. How it works on the other side of it, I mean, when you connect this passage to the fact that when Jesus returns again, there's going to be a time of peace and, and a time uh, of celebration together, but then Satan's going to be loosed again, and he's going to deceive many, if possible, and those many, in theory, are in the heavenly realm. So what is... The point being, I don't think that we can just neatly say that this world is going to wrap up, then we're going to head to heaven, mm-hmm. and then we're just going to sing worship songs for the next uh, million years in eternity. That there certainly seems to be far more seasons ahead in God's ever-unfolding inter- eternity. And what that looks like, I think, is really worth looking at. What mm-hmm. people call the millennium, for instance. Right. Is that what you're, and, you know, we should say, though, from, from the parable, Abraham says, you can't pass from us right. to us right. and us to you. Yeah, and in that season, and, and some people would suggest, as you referenced earlier, it is a paradise place. It's more of a holding tank. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, this is the subject of a lot of different ideas. And, and it points out something I think that we've said on the show before, that Scripture itself is authoritative. But your interpretation of Scripture may not be right, right. in alignment with what Scripture is actually exactly. saying. And, boy, is that an interesting process to and, enter into. And years ago, Billy Graham was preaching, and he said that the angels come to get you when you die. And I thought, where's that in the Bible? <laughs> Where it, it is in yeah. Luke 16. Yeah. The angel comes to get the poor man. Yeah. I don't know if you want to make that true in every single case, but it certainly was true there. Right. From my perspective, I feel like there's there's a... A genuine misunderstanding also because we can't really imagine what life is like in the complete spiritual realm without the body. I think that's almost beyond our comprehension. So, you know, as a man, I have a hard time with with these ideas. You know, I, I really, I need, I want to believe that I'm going to see people who have passed before us in heaven. I, 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 I really want that. As to how scriptural that is, I, I you know, I might have some hard time defending that, but uh, you know, I I think that's inconsistent with with the love that that God gives us. And I, you know, when here's the two questions I get more than any probably in forty years of being a pastor. Number one is, will I know my loved ones in heaven? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is yes, because Jesus said you will see Abraham, Isaac, and yeah, Jacob. He did and say that. I don't know what they look like, but I'll know that's them. So I yeah. think I'll know that's Grandma. And the the second question you get a lot. Is grandma in heaven now, or is she waiting till judgment day yeah, to be well. raised from the dead? <laughs> and I think the best way to put all those scriptures together, this I think is right, your spirit immediately goes to be with Christ, but you don't get raised with your perfect new body till the last day. I like that. I think that puts all the scriptures together. I like that. So, And this Luke 16 speaks of immediately going somewhere when mm-hmm. you die, mm-hmm. not sleeping for 2,000 years. Right. Luther, though, believed in soul sleep that you sleep. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I think one of my one of the more interesting things I read was not part of a Christian worldview, but I was in a hospital one day, and uh, the nursing staff was there was a pretty in depth study done that uh, what is the most common experience as people are getting ready to transition from this world to the next is that they will come out of a place of unconsciousness or sort of subconsciousness, 
open their eyes in those last couple of seconds and begin to greet loved ones, and then they pass. And and mm-hmm. nurses say that over and over again. They don't have to be of the Christian worldview to document this phenomenon over and over again. Mm-hmm. Is that proof that you see people on the other side? Are you hallucinating? I don't really know, but it's a really mm-hmm. it is consistent with the scriptures that we should be able to recognize people on the mm-hmm. other side. And I don't know how else you explain that phenomenon unless you say they're sort of this last burst of hallucination and then you die. Or mm-hmm. maybe there is actually something yeah. going on along those mm-hmm. lines. Take a little break. Guide Talk's underway. Let us know if you have a question or a comment, something you'd like us to talk about or chew on. 877-933-2484. Be right back. Welcome back to the show. Guide Talk is underway. Got a power panel of Peter Kapsner, Brad Johnson, Tom Brock, Justin Jepson. We're having a uh, uh, great conversation so far. You're open to making any contribution you like. 877-93-FAITH. Let us know what you would like us to chat about. So what do you gentlemen think of when you say the word amen? Is it primarily we're done praying? (laughs) What else is in your head when you hear the word amen? What does it mean to you? Let it be so. Uh-huh. Okay, what else? Truly. Okay, I've got four different um, meanings of amen here I'm looking at. Well, I think it's interesting, you know, Jesus would often say amen, amen. He said it at the beginning before he would say something. So I think it's, mm-hmm. you know... Verily, verily. Verily, verily, yeah. And um, so I think it's that idea of what, what I've just talked to God about may it come to fruition now in my life. Not as an end of a conversation, but as a continuation of a partnership with a life in God. Here's a commentary. When I preach, nobody ever says amen when I'm preaching. So now and then I'll say, can I get a, okay, I'll think about it, somebody. (laughs) (laughs) And do you get that? Maybe the downside of being Lutheran, huh? (laughs) Or a boring preacher. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Here's a commentary that said, here are the four meanings to amen. It expresses the desire of of the heart. It expresses the affirmation of our faith. It expresses the joy of the heart. It expresses the declaration of resolution. Nice. Hmm. Does that ring a bell with anybody? That's good. Gosh, I mean, I have to say probably 70% of the time I'm just saying it. It's not, I mean, it's it's not <laughs> actually in my head. And that's, you know, but that can be so true, I think, of faith in general, can it? Is it just becomes almost ritualistic to some degree that you just sort of do yeah. the Christian thing to do. And, and so I think even you bringing this up, Bill, is helpful to say, Hang on a minute. These things actually, these are not magic words. Yeah. You're not waving a magic wand. These things, there is a declaration inherent in them that is probably helpful to be mindful of that I often am not, quite frankly. And mm-hmm. I, and just ask a church full of people sometime what the word hallelujah means. Right. And I'm going to guess 85% don't know what it means praise the Lord in Hebrew. Mm. Or ask them what, what Hosanna means that mm. they sing every communion service and it means save now, but mm. people don't know what that means. Right. This is educational. Ba-dum-bum. Yeah, keep it up. Keep it up, <laughs> Tom. This is good. All right, uh, here's a listener jumped in. I just wanted to write in as I heard someone on your show saying, I want to believe I will see people that have passed before me in heaven, but I might have a hard time scripturally defending that. There are tons of evidence in the Bible supporting this idea that we will be raised again in Christ and live in and on a new earth. God calls us by name and knew us before we were born. Why would we not know each other in heaven? If we're all going to be raised again in Christ on those days, why would we not see people that went before us? 
I mean, that's a great question, mm-hmm. and and I think it's a fair statement. I think for me, it's less about well, I know people because I'm pretty well convinced that that I will. I think the question is, is what is the, what is the quality of the relationship? How will it have changed? And specifically, I know I went through a pretty extensive faith crisis around the idea of. So let me get this straight. Uh, I am so grateful to be married for, let's say, Hallie and I can walk together on this earth for about 50, 60 years together, and I'm looking forward to seeing her on the other side if she was to pass before me. Does our relationship fundamentally change? Do I sort of look at her and say, I think I kind of remember like who you are? Or you know, how do things change in that? Because I know that obviously when our loved ones pass, whether it's parents or good friends or in some of the worst scenarios, you lose a child. Um, what is that? Is are you still a parent in heaven in that way? Is that the, the nature of the relationship? How do these things change? Those are really troubling questions for quite some time. Because I thought, then what am I investing in here on earth? In in the love <laughs> of this relationship, in in how much I'm willing to give, and the pain and the growth, or what? Uh, will we know each other on the other side? And and I still don't know the answer to the question entirely. I believe we will. And it, but I don't know how it's going to change. And it it's, it upsets people when you preach what Jesus said that in in the next life you neither marry nor are given right. in marriage, but you're like angels. You mean I'm not going to be married to my husband in heaven? That's what it says. Well, and that, and that was what almost caused me to lose my faith yeah. in, in the sense of like, what am I understanding this passage? What is this thing about? Well, and and then I just got an email from a guy that said, um, or a letter. Uh, I know that I believe I'll see my wife as an angel in heaven. Well, it never says we become angels in heaven. Jesus right. said we will become like angels yeah. and that we'll be single. That's all that says. Yep. So people have misconceptions on this stuff. And the listener also ended by uh, encouraging and hoping the speaker can grow in his faith and understand that the Bible is very clear on this. Well, <laughs> if, if I'm that speaker, I'm willing to take that no, admonition. No, and, uh, I, you know, I, I think in fairness, it's, you know, the journey with the scriptures is such an interesting one, isn't it? In the sense of, um, I'll go back to what I said in the last segment, that uh, the Bible itself is authoritative, how we understand it. I, I can point to many, many instances in my 25, 30 years of studying the biblical text where I thought I had it dialed in, only to be confronted with a different set of evidence that maybe either shifted my perspective a bit, changed it, uh, staying within the authority of scripture, but maybe the interpretation itself was what uh, needed to shift. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm referencing here. There's a lot of different ways people understand what's happening in heaven. I have no doubt we'll be in heaven together. The question is, is what will be that that relationship, what will be like? Mm-hmm. And we got to be careful not to overstate things. When this caller wrote in that there are many, many scriptures that teach we'll know our loved ones in heaven, I can think of maybe two. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I so I think we just, and, and if you don't, I mean, for instance, Martin Luther believed in soul sleep, that you sleep until Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I think he was wrong, and the Lutheran Church never went that route, but I don't think he was a heretic. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you got to give some uh, wiggle room on this right. stuff. Right. Well, I think, too, and this is maybe at risk of sounding overly simplistic, but, you know, it says in First John 3 that, well, when we see him, we'll see him face to face, we'll become like him. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes we, we can view heaven as the um, the absence of things we like the least on earth and the the exponential expression of some things we like most on earth, but we got to realize that this is this is something unlike anything else we've ever can even comprehend or experience. So yeah. I think we can wherever we land on this, we can take the hope and comfort that whatever our relationship like is like with other Christians in heaven, it's going to be yes. eternally abundantly better than whatever yeah. we can even grasp right, right now. So right. a guy a guy dies and he wants to take his gold to heaven. And the angel, okay, you can take your gold up to the pearly gates and 
Peter meets the guy at the pearly gates. Why are you bringing pavement? Why are you bringing? Why did you bring pavement? <laughs> sure. <down here>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be so much better. So yeah. I think we can take even my. It's hard for us to conceive, yeah, right, Peter? Exactly. And you mentioned like relationship with my wife. We've wrestled with that scripture together. Like, yep. we're not going to know each other in this way. But no, we're actually going to know each other in a way that's actually better there you go. than even the Deeper. earthly expression of marriage because it's a heavenly relationship. Yeah, and that was the thing, oh. Justin, that you just said, too, that uh, what Hallie pointed it out to me. She said, so let's get this straight. Uh, we're actually called to trust God in this life. Can we not trust him mm-hmm. in the next sure. that the fullness of peace will be present even if we can't quite conceive of it yeah. now? And that's what re- it's always trust that resolves the issue. It's not the explanation that resolves the issue. That's good. So, Peter, you had mentioned that you have studied scripture for 25 years, then you have that moment where you readjust yeah. a, 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 a feeling or not a feeling, but a, an understanding of something. I think I've had that a couple times in the last couple of weeks and it kind of has hit me hard. Almost like I, maybe I should take a sabbatical for a year and stop talking and mm. don't say anything stupid, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and yeah. just go into a hiding. Um, because it does, it, it's like, well, what, what else am I saying incorrectly? <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, um, it, it's brought a sobering dimension to my teaching more than anything mm-hmm. else because I just think I, I'm representing as an ambassador of God's kingdom right now and I want to be as consistent with that kingdom as I can possibly be. But when you have evidence that maybe you had a misunderstanding of a passage and maybe you even taught or spoke on that passage somehow and, and suddenly you're thinking, hang on just a minute, it, it brings, I think, the right kind of humility mm-hmm. to the table in in that process. I mean, I can think of, even John ten ten, for example, I've come that you would have life and have it overflowing. I think some people interpret that passage as saying, hey, Jesus is here to make sure that you have all of the prosperity that you'd want, mm-hmm. the health and all of it. Mm-hmm. But even just a simple quick dive into the text that's in that word life in the Greek is literally the kind of life that God himself enjoys. And so when you see that passage, I've come that you have the kind of life that God himself enjoys and have it abundantly overflowing in your spirit then it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You can have that kind of life. That's an example of a shift in teaching where you could easily teach for many years and God's come to get you the airplane that you want. And that would be so entirely inconsistent with scripture as mm-hmm. opposed to what's actually there. And it is troubling, I think, mm-hmm. to your point, Bill. Yeah, because you have felt locked and loaded on a certain yep. verse that I think I've, this is settled. I understand this. And then something happens that you, you have to rethink it and you go, oh, no. Yeah. What no, else? We're, we're constantly growing and and learning and deepening our understanding constantly. I'm the older I get, the the more I love God, but the the less dogmatic I am. I'm a lot more, and I'm a lot more loving and kind uh, because I understand that some things um, are are understood differently by others, and, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, I would say to your listeners. Everybody needs a few Bible commentaries in their house. Yeah. Because if you're getting a verse to say something that nobody else think it says, thinks it says, then, you know, I, I just can't. ESV study Bible is great. There's great Bible commentaries. Every Christian should have some. Mm-hmm. All right. Got some good questions coming in. We'll take a little break. Guy Talk is underway. We've got Justin, Tom, and Brad, and Peter, and we're open to whatever questions you'd like us to deal with. 877 933 2484. I'll give that one more time. 877-933-2484. If you would prefer to email, you can do that as well. You can email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. Bill at myfaithradio.com. I can ask your question anonymously, of course. We'd love to get it on the air. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the show. Guy Talk's underway. We've got the beautiful and amazing Queens of the Roundtable coming up next. But right now I've got uh, Justin in the studio and Tom and uh, Brad and Peter, and we're open to dealing with any question or issue you would like us to talk about. 877-933-2484. All right, this was a story that was in on the news in the Twin Cities area. This unfortunate situation where this elderly gentleman uh, was... Uh, now, you know, 75, it's, a, it's not super old, but he was on the light rail. And there were some <coughs> loud boys in their early 20s. He went over and asked them to lower their voice. And they did not take kindly to that. They got off on the stop that he got off. They punched him in the face. He fell backward, hit his head, and died four days later. Oh, my. And they all kind of high-fived each other and then went mm. through his pockets. Now... That is horrible. Mm-hmm. It's just so sad and tragic. And this 23-year-old kid who's got a record is now going to go to prison for a long time. As you think of that situation, are you the guy, the kind of guy that would go and tell these young kids to quiet down? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's... Isn't that convicting to those of us who like to be passive? Mm-hmm. That is really convicting because I think of... You know, because there's... And here's the funny thing that happens internally to me when I hear a story like this. First thing I go is that that indignance of the justice that's been violated in that moment, right? And I think to myself, if I'm there, I would have stopped that, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Because because mm-hmm. I'm I'm that guy, mm-hmm. you know. And then and then situations like this arise, and you're not that guy. And I'm like. Oh man, I I like to think I'm that guy, but the truth is, I don't really know if I'm that guy, mm-hmm. and I'm embarrassed and ashamed by that. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to think I'm gonna gonna stand in the gap, but uh, and there's times in our lives where we don't recognize those moments spiritually too, not just physically, but spiritually where we we have an opportunity to stand in the gap and we don't do it, and for those moments, I'm truly sorry. Mm. I appreciate that, Brad. Yeah, you know, I just I find myself, Bill, too, when I um, think about the person who said maybe be quiet or something like that. I'm I'm reticent to even honk a horn these days because it just seems like there's enough stories like that in the news where you just there's there's just going to be this spark. I mean, there's kind of this low level anger and agitation. It feels like so often in people's lives, and you just don't know when you're going to light that flame. And all of a sudden, somebody's going to turn, and uh, a honking horn is going to excel. You know, it's going to completely escalate into something mm-hmm. much bigger. I, there's somebody very close to me that I know that actually recently, about six weeks ago, passed away from a road rage incident. Got wow. out of his car. They got into a big far, uh, argument and fight, and um, and he, he passed away right there on the side of the road. And it just can happen so quickly. And Brad, wow. I think to your point as well. Um, I think out of fear, you end up putting your head down, right? You just sort of want to just get through yeah. your day and, and not want to be bothered. And, and it does bring up that, uh, you know, I, I can identify with the Levite and the priest who walked by the, you know, the person <laughs> yeah. on the side of the road that yeah. needed help and just didn't want to be bothered with it. Cause it. But it's out of fear more than anything. I don't want to, I don't know that I'm as much selfish about these things as I'm just afraid to get involved for what it might mean for me or my family or something along those lines. True. Well, what about the pass, passivity and how... We can't be passive, right? We also mm. want to be wise, but um, I, I think of that episode in New York City. I think it was in the 60s. It got, it got to be kind of an international story of this nurse named Kitty Genovese. And she mm. came home from 
her nurse uh, shift at two in the morning and she got attacked. Um, and she said, I've been stabbed. She's shouting this. And I think 36 lights went on and no one came to her rescue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, who is, and when the, when the, when the attacker realized that no one was responding, he ended up, you know, robbing her of $27 and killing her. Mm-hmm. And I think, are we willing to come down when we hear a cry? Cause God hears our cry and he didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't come to earth at the risk of his life. He came at the expense of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just, I'm, I'm wondering about. I'm asking myself the same question. Yeah. Brad, I agree with you. I think I'm going to be the guy that stands in the gap. Yeah. But am I? Because yeah. mm-hmm. I don't want to try to be Mr. Tough Guy and then mm-hmm. a dying. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or yeah. like what Peter says, you know, you stand in the gap and then your family pays the price, you know, which is also another scary idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think isn't that um, even sociologists will call this the bystander effect. You know, everyone yeah. just kind of assumes someone else is going to do something and then no one does anything and then that can cause a lot of harm. But... You know, I, I think, you know, Brad, I also, yeah, I'd like to think that I'd be the person that would step in, but I've, I've found, you know, as much as I'm able to think through advanced decisions, and I don't know, I don't know, <laughs> you know, if there's sometimes, that I've, I don't know if this is a male brain thing, but sometimes I lay my, you know, I'm laying in bed at night, okay, if someone broke in right now, what am I going to, yeah. you know? Yeah, right. So totally. I, think, I think it depends on who's involved, you know, what's being said. I think of the situation, you know, Bill, that you mentioned, if it's just the volume of the conversation, I mean, yeah, for me, I could probably, but... If they're talking really vulgar speech or if I'm with someone, a family member, my wife or my kid's trying to take a nap and it finally got to sleep and they woke them up. Yeah, I, I think depending on who I'm with and the, the con- context really does does matter. But that's that's a tragic story. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's a question from a listener. Um, are we as Christians called to watch only godly television shows and movies? My household wants to hold on to some of these worldly things. What can I do as husband, father, and spiritual leader of the home? Go to pluggedin.com <laughs> and find out how many F words, how many times they say Jesus Christ is a swear word. I mean, it kind of, it, it, it bothers me that so many Christians just go to R-rated movies and don't check that website first. And I, uh, I'm not saying never to go to a movie once you've checked it out that might have some bad language in it. I'm not going to go that far. But we need to be a lot more careful than we are, I think. Yeah, I think as, uh, I'm not sure if it's the right way forward, but I know that as Hallie and I have talked about, so philosophically, what do we want to do with our five kids? And how, how do we want to walk this out? And there's that balance, right, between just the total shelter from um, and total exposure to, and what, and what does that look like uh, for them? And and don't always, again, not sure that we get it right, but uh, certainly we do a lot of previewing of stuff mm-hmm. before our kids watch it. And our, our basic mentality has been, we're not here to shield them from all of the darkness. We are here to equip them and prepare them in the midst of the darkness. And that doesn't mean then just anything goes, but it also doesn't mean that we're going to entirely shelter. I will say this, I beca- I've become more conservative in that over the years in terms of what our kids are being exposed to because they just, I think we too often superimpose how we're responding to a show that we're watching on how our kids are responding to the show that we're watching. And they don't have anywhere near the critical thinking facilities and capacity. They're going to be impacted in really dramatically different ways than I might be impacted. And so I'm at my parenting worst when I assume that my kids are responding to something the way that I'm currently responding. And I have to know enough to crawl into their brain and into their heart to at least somehow vicariously head into their experience of it. And that gives me a little bit more wisdom of, "Mm, maybe this isn't the best option Mm -hmm. right now. But at the same time, 
I don't want them to, at the age of 20, bail out of the house and like, whoa, you never prepared me for any of this stuff. And so how do we walk through with wisdom together? And when do you know it's time to to expose them to some of these ideas? And I do think given the age in which we live, it's better to err on the side of being too conservative. Right now it is, yeah. Do you know that when I was 16 years old, there was a movie called Midnight Cowboy that got rated X. I think that movie now can be played on regular broadcast TV with almost no deletions. Yeah. That's how much we have changed in America. So I think just given our, our hyper-sexed-up culture, it's best to err in the direction of being too conservative. Mm-hmm. My, think- wing, my wingman, Terry, said, when it comes to questions about heaven, my go-to passage is 1 Corinthians 2.9. But just as it is written, things which eyes have not seen nor ear have heard and which has not entered the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, we it's beyond our noodle. Yeah, it mm-hmm. could be beyond our noodle. Mm. Yep. Um, what about um, female angels? And this reference was to Zechariah 5.9. When I looked up, and there before me were two women with the wind in their wings. They had wings like those of a stork, and they lifted up their basket between heaven and earth. There's nothing about. <laughs> I'd have to look female, that one up. Yeah. What, were they talking about angels, or was that a vision of just uh, were they angels? I don't know. I, I don't I, think we should. Have, I, I don't think angels have sex, do they? Have a sexual a male or female? Yeah, not, not because when Jesus says you will become like angels, I think he means that you won't be sexual creatures because you won't get married in heaven. Are angels genderless? Hmm? Well, Gabriel and, uh, and, Michael. and Michael seem like they have a gender. Yeah. They sure do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. I, <laughs> Never thought That's of one that. of those ones I would not want to comment on until I had more chance to study that one. <laughs> yeah. And probably uh, even not yeah, then. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I find that interesting, though. That's a good, uh, good question. Yeah, Thank you. a very good question. Thank you for that, yeah. That is a good question. Um, this question I don't quite get, so I'm going to have to skip that one. I was hoping I could make sense of it, but I can't. Um, which is funny because it's written in a text form, but I, I don't know if I get it. <laughs> and that, that happens once in a while. So if you have a question you'd like us to uh, chew on, let us know what it is. 877-933-2484. We'll take a little break here, but we'll be right back with lots more. in Guy Talk and loving it. I've got uh, Justin, Tom, Brad, and Peter around the power table. So we're uh, open to whatever questions you might have for us. Here's a C.S. Lewis quote, gentlemen. When the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. (laughs) (laughs) So what are we doing in this world we're living in today that all appears to be running towards this cliff? Yeah, I... I mean, I call it the herd, right? There's always a herd running somewhere, whether it's a herd running within Christianity somehow, whether it's a herd running just in society as a large. And and, and I've become quite suspicious when the herd is running a certain direction. I, I don't know why we end up in kind of these collective ways of thinking and that to be cool, popular, in, relevant, all of the words that we use, you've got to be running with the herd because if you're outside of the herd, 
then you're you're seen as a nerd. You don't fit. You don't belong. All of that. But but I think the I mean I think a great example is with parents with kids right now. I know that the herd is all trying to get their kids prepared on their resumes and get them off to the right schools and and running frantically from seven o'clock in the morning until ten o'clock at night. And and if we're not doing that as parents, if we're not um, running so frantically and crazily, people literally have looked at Hallie and me and said, you are not preparing your children. You are not getting them ready for the real world. I mean, we we hear this stuff and Hallie hears it far more than me uh, in terms of just that example, but that happens in so many different ways, right? I mean, the herd, I've never been a part of a herd running aimlessly somewhere that I felt like, man, we're dialed in. This is, this is perfect. <laughs> and you know, can, I'll tell you what came to mind when you said that. And uh, before I say this, I'm not saying cremation is a sin. I'm not going that far. But everybody's getting cremated now, Christians included. Like over half of, of Minnesotans now, I think, are getting cremated. And it's like, do we even ask the question anymore? What is the teaching of the Bible on this issue, if there is one? What is the teaching of church history where there is one? And I, I mean, I just, there was an article recently of a man that went through and looked at the history of the Christian church's response to cremation, it's like 100% against it hmm. because they thought it was a bad witness to the resurrection of the body and they thought it was um, a pagan thing. So overwhelmingly, the history of the church—again, I'm not saying it's a sin because I don't know a verse that would say it's a sin, but at least can we think about things before we jump like a lemming off the cliff with everybody else? Mm-hmm. All right, here's a question from a listener. What does the panel think of these two things that bug me? <laughs> Christians who say, Mom is looking down on me from heaven. Mm. And Christians who say, Oh my God, as an expression of whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've always struggled with that one because my, my thought always was that the humanity in me gets involved with this question. In fact, I had this conversation last week with my wife you know, if our past loved ones are in heaven looking down on us, how can they be in heaven? Because they're going to see our lives and it looks like hell. And, and I'm like, well, how, how can that be? And my wife said, well, maybe God shields us, you know, shields them from being able to see that. Or maybe there's a part of it that they don't see. But, you know, as we sin and as we do that, I mean, wouldn't we be spared from that in heaven to have to witness that? I don't, I don't know. I'm asking the question. I don't know. And it, and I thought that, that it was kind of an interesting concept. And I think it really, it really addresses this idea I was talking about a little bit earlier about how we are part and parcel to this body, to this humanity. And it's hard for us to imagine ourselves without this humanity. And so it's hard for us to imagine what that's going to be like, because Mm -hmm. we don't really know or understand it. We've got no experience in that regard. And going with the oh my god question, that, that's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. It drives me nuts when I hear people say oh my god, especially when they're preachers on television, and a guy's making a point and he said, "My God, that was an." I'm thinking, could you please? I mean, where we get this from? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That means n- many things, but I think it at least means you don't say Jesus Christ as a swear word. I don't mm-hmm. think you say oh my god. I agree. And I agree. when I hear that, which is regular, out and about, I stop and I pray for that person. And I used to, when I would teach confirmation and I'd have all these new 13-year-olds show up in class, one of the first things I hit was the Ten Commandments. And, and you'd get, 
you mean it's wrong to say, oh, my God? Yes, it is. And I'm, I'm thinking, too, I mean, we're all sinners, but this bugs me. <laughs> Here's a, a woman I know, Christian woman, walking with the Lord for a long time, and she likes to say, oh, Lordy. And I said to her one day, you know, Elaine, that's kind of taking the Lord's name. And Well, she still does it. Mm. I mean, it's like, come on, can't we change a little bit? You know? Yeah, even as you said it, Bill, my, I found my spirit flinching just a little bit. Oh, my you know, and, 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 as, and I know I you're it. saying it. Just at a reference point, when somebody really says it, it's just there is mm-hmm. something interior oh, that you're just sort of like, oh, yeah, uh, you know. And as far as mom looking down, I think I'm more bothered by the idea when somebody passes suddenly or tragically, and they and somebody will say something to the effect of, "Well, God must have needed another angel, or mm-hmm. God must have." And it's like, no, I needed my dad here on earth yeah. more than you needed him in heaven. God, mm-hmm. you know that yeah. that is the one that really bugs me. Yeah. I mean, I can get my head around a spiritual realm and a great cloud of witnesses. And I'm not sure what that all looks like. Clearly there's all kinds of world history of evidence of people that have passed on that are still, you know, somehow present. But, mm-hmm. um, but that idea that God needed somebody and that's how you're going to explain it to a young child. Oh, mm-hmm. dare I never say those words, mm-hmm. please. In Luke 15 verse 10, it says in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So who is in the presence of these angels mm. celebrating? Who has gotten, received knowledge of a sinner repenting in, the, in heaven in the presence yeah. of angels? Mm-hmm. Well, the angels. And? Maybe the saints. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, Tom, you brought it up earlier. I thought it was an interesting point. When you look through the lens of world history about how people have thought about these things, it doesn't mean that we're getting from dumber to smarter, like we type, we tend to think of, right? More often, mm-hmm. we lose some of the robustness and oh. the sophistication and the beauty mm-hmm. and the depth and the wisdom that was from the past. We sort of sacrifice it at the altar, well, if I'm not sure what. You remember mm-hmm. the rock group in the 80s, Devo? Yes. Mm-hmm. De- devolution. We're not getting better. Yeah. We're getting worse. No, that the myth of social <laughs> progress, the idea that we're getting smarter yeah. and all of yeah, these the, things the, is, is like one we of We didn't the, kill 3,000 babies a day in America in, right. the, in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Right. We're getting worse. You know. And when you look back then the point throughout history, there is plenty of evidence of people in, in Christian streams that they were swimming in that, of course, our ancestors have passed on. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't buy into the whole saint worship thing by any stretch, but the idea that there were saints is another place of, of evidence that people are saying, no, these people are still with us in some way mm-hmm. and they're worth mm-hmm. paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we quoted C.S. Lewis a couple of times and he calls that chronological snobbery, you know, just mm, because we're, a quote. <laughs> yeah. you know, we're further advanced in the, in the timeline of world history doesn't make guarantee that we're, you know, wiser, smarter, and more mature. Nobody mm-hmm. has had, in, in the history of the world, nobody has had pornography at their fingertips right. like mm-hmm. we have. Right. There's an mm-hmm. example of devolution. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. I, I think one observation about the using the Lord's name in vain, you know, I think it's not just, you know, uh, maybe I'll challenge it this way, but it's interesting that, that you know, we, it causes our spirits to, to flinch as it should, but, you know, I, I've never heard anyone stub their toe, you know, or something and say, Oh, Buddha, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> you ever know I mean, there's something, there's something weighty. There's something mm-hmm. different. There's something reverent about the name of God that carries a weight and authority mm-hmm. with it. Unlike anything else. And there's no reason why that, you know, that the, the, the Jewish people would, wouldn't even speak God's name out loud. Right. And mm-hmm. they'd even leave a blank yeah. in their manuscript. They wouldn't even write it. Right, so there's right, such yeah, reverence right. there. So yeah. I think we've, we've lost that. Yeah. In a lot of ways. That's your point. Uh, let's see. I've been asked to pray at family holiday meals, extended family filled with, uh, Nuns and nominal Christians, what uh, what some prayer could I pray to impact and bless them? So we've got some nuns and people who are just very nominal Christians. She's going to be asked to pray at a family mm-hmm. meal. I and, always close the prayer 
in the name of Jesus, our Savior. I want to get in there with these unbelievers that there's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. So you can pray all kinds of stuff that, you know, you don't have to be in their face, but I'm going to be in their face enough to say, in the name of Jesus, our Savior. And maybe that's not their Savior, but, um, you know, I, I just want to get the a person of Christ before them for their salvation. Mm-hmm. And, and I would add to that too. I, I often, you know, because I was going into ministry or had this, you know, sense of a call, I, I'd always kind of would get the look at the dinner table growing up, you know, and <laughs> come to come time to pray. And, you know, my mom would kind of look over at me and like, oh, it's time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Like apparently I'm supposed to be the prayer or whatever. But I, I would say, you know, when you look at prayer, the primary language of prayer in scripture is one of praise and thanksgiving. So I would say, show God to be as beautiful and as glorious as he is in your prayer. Praise him for who he is. And then I would say, make it personal. Thank God for the people around the table. You know, mm-hmm. use names and thank him for the blessing that it yeah. is to be gathered with family and friends. Yeah, and I think people are knocked off balance when you keep it short as well. I mean, mm-hmm. not, you know, not meaningless, but if you really just sort of, to your point, Justin, that you're making, just really hone in on one or two things like that. And people are like, huh, and they kept it short and it was meaningful yep. and they actually seem to like care. <laughs> the food's still warm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's something that just knocks people off balance and there's an authenticity yeah, in that that I think is helpful. Well, and sometimes yeah. what I'll do is I'll actually say something like, and we thank you that you sent your son to die for our there you sins. Go. Mm-hmm. And get something real explicit in something I love like it. that. Yeah. yeah. Here's another question back to the, uh, the language. Uh, listener says, so you have me thinking, is saying jeepers or for heaven's sake, taking the Lord's name in vain too? I think it depends on your heart. I really. don't do yeah. jeepers because it sounds too close to Jesus. Okay. Um, I mean, I can see both sides of that conversation, but Brad, what you just said too, I think your heart matters. If you're like, I really want to say this, but I won't because it's not socially acceptable. Right. That's, that's a different. That's different. Than, yeah, yeah. So I think state of the heart is at least one of the factors in play there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just ask yourself, what is it in place of? Right. And then mm-hmm. say... Why do I need to say that? Yeah. I, I mean, rats is a great one. It's an old school. Yeah, yeah. Rats, rats, I mean, school. rats. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody yeah. says it anymore. Darn, that's, that's a great one. <laughs> Darn like it. Yeah. Right, the listener says, I'm having challenges parenting my 11-year-old son after separation with his dad. Please offer some advice uh, on approach in this season and appropriate consequences mm-hmm. for bad behavior. Mm. Wow. That's always hard. That's always hard when that happens. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's got to be a long game. I think on some level, yeah. as much as you might want to try to correct behavior in the moment, that child is probably dealing with far more yeah. in an interior world standpoint than can yeah. than can handle sort of an immediate punishment. It doesn't mean you don't put boundaries around them and stuff, but I think a lot of care and a lot of long game has to be in play and recognizing that what you might want to do in the present may not get the result that you want at this point in time, <clears throat> simply because a person is hurting and broken, you know, and okay. and so. Yeah, I don't think you can just assume you can shape the behavior just really easily. It's got to be a long game. Yeah. Another listener, uh, Jeff said, Scripture says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Everything else is from the devil. <laughs> yeah, I love that Scripture. Actually, I was I read some teaching on that at one point that said, because uh, then it also goes on to say, don't make an oath on heaven or on earth. And the idea being is that if you're in a position where you have to just absolutely swear something is true, it's probably revealing that you're not a person of integrity to begin with, that yeah. you have to somehow mm-hmm. try to override somebody else's judgment by making an oath and say, no, I swear on heaven that this yeah, is true. I don't Why, do if you are just simply nope. a person who you are who you are and you mean what you mean and you say what you say, then you can just let your yes be yes and your no be no, and people can sniff it out. You don't have to go to all these yeah. extreme ends to somehow I, prove a point. I, I almost never say the word I promise or mm-hmm. I vow 
or uh, I never say swear to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just I think you got to be careful. Yeah, but on a stack of Bibles, I yeah, don't right. do that either. <laughs> now, that's not to say there. Paul said, "I adjure you." Uh, that there is in court. In a, it's not that it's a hundred percent of a of a forbidding, but I definitely don't use those words. Yeah, yeah, it's good. A lot of questions still coming in. Yeah, I'm yeah, fast it. and furious, but we're a little bit out of time. But uh, Justin, thanks for coming and being part of the show. I can't believe. Thanks for letting me take along. How uh, how nice it was for you to step in and all great. the great contributions you made. Seriously, it's like mm-hmm. this is a winner. Yeah, right. Please come back. We weren't sure on the front end, but here he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Took a risk. Yeah, he didn't deny risk. the Trinity once. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wasn't speaking out heresy like Peter said I was going yeah. to. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. And Tom, your website again is pastorstudy.org. Pastorstudy.org. Tom Brock and Brad Johnson, thank you so much. And Dr. Peter Capster, as you know, um, I appreciate all you guys. And it uh, makes for a really fun hour. And I, I hope that you got your questions answered and there's still some more that we could deal with. But... Unfortunately, we're out of time, but we'll be back together next time. So um, the beautiful and amazing queens of the roundtable are up next. We'll take a little break, and we'll get the the, uh, room ready for them. (laughs) Be back in a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.